One of the highest rated MCU movies, The Winter Soldier brought a new genre into the MCU, a spy thriller. It's the Jason Bourne to the Avengers Star Wars. We're uncovering truths we don't know who to trust. Robert Redford is a bad guy? We saw that one coming. It also doubles as one of the few best action movies of all time. The hand-to-hand -hand fight scene choreography is pretty much unmatched. It introduced a lot of important MCU elements. The Winter Soldier, the friendship between Cap and Nat, Sam Wilson as a genuine superhero, the Russo brothers. It answered a lot of questions, mostly about how Steve adjusted to this new world. Looking back, it's no shock that he decided to go back to his old life. He never really adjusted all that well, did he? It gave us the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. directly leading to the Age of Ultron, and ultimately a big part of the reason Thanos was first successful. It's one of the most rewatchable MCU movies and an absolute must-see for even those who aren't into superhero flicks. But if that's the case, you should probably check out a different podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. We're talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, 2014. You got BJ Clark back. Say howdy. 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 So this is a, obviously a really important movie for all the MCU. It's kind of the downfall of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's it's also kind of, uh, it kind of symbolizes in the first few movies, first 10 or so movies, each movie had a really different genre. This is that spy thriller genre that doesn't really come up too much else in the MCU other than maybe Black Widow, you can consider one. But what do you, what do you think about when you think of The Winter Soldier? Yeah, I thought that this movie is kind of unique in its feel. Uh, feels like a Jason Bourne movie. Black Widow is like a Mission Impossible, I feel like. Mm. Uh, but this is very much like, you know, there's this conspiracy going on and everybody's against you. Um, and it's a very unique movie. It's a very good movie. Um, I think any of the movies that the Russo brothers make are really good. Are they making the Secret Wars movies? I don't think they've announced it yet. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Kang Dynasty will be directed by Daniel or uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Who did Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Uh, yeah, but this movie, I, I think everybody, this movie is pretty universally loved by MCU people, but it's not necessarily like the top of the top for non-MCU people. You know what I mean? Like casual fans, they always think of Civil War and the Avengers movies and Ragnarok are more fun, but for like people who really, really like the MCU, they often put this one on top or just movie buffs in general because it's a really, really well made movie, but it doesn't have the same kind of like MCU spark that some of the other bigger ones do. You feel me? It's yeah, it's it. It's like I feel like it was meant to be a bridge movie. Like this is the movie in between the blockbusters, but then it ended up being really good and better than like age of ultron and other movies that were intended to be blockbusters yeah and most that's and the mcu like the main idea is making it uh blockbusters and then most of them are very rewatchable obviously too that's what we're doing here but this movie didn't really have that blockbuster you gotta see in theaters feel except for the final scene between the fight between bucky and steve that was one of the best theater experiences like you know hands sweaty grabbing everything beside you pantheon of best 
cinematic experiences in the MCU. Let's hand out some awards. You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's do the award for the funniest moment. The Taika um, Waititi Award for the funniest moment. That's another that's reason right. it's not super MCU-y in that there's not too much of that silly humor that you see later. Yeah, and it's it's not a very funny movie, but there's there's some good parts. Um, there's one that like they're in the Apple Store. Um, I like the little series in the Apple Store where he's like, "Oh, you could be twins." That was that was kind of intended to be funny. Yeah. Um, my favorite part is like a really small line, and I find it really hilarious for some reason. Um, throughout the movie, Black Widow is trying to set up dates. We got for... the same one. For Captain America, really? You think yeah, so? Yeah, keep going, keep going. Okay, okay. And then she's like, "Uh, what about this woman at the desk?" And he's like, "Oh, the one with the lip piercing, right?" And she goes, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not ready for that." <laughs> it just cracks yeah. me up so much. I thought you it was being clever too? picking that one. Yeah, oh, that's so funny. That's yeah. Really I think funny. the best, the best funny lines. And especially these kind of movies are the ones that like you look back and like on rewatches, there's they get funnier and funnier. And yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that about this and um, the first Avenger too. That they're not necessarily like top tier MCU humor. It's mostly like cheeky statements, little one liners, the kind mm-hmm. of thing that Falcon like constantly does. And that that's like his type of humor. So he really shines in this funny wise. Um, that's something like... we got the same one. Yeah, that's hilarious. Of all the things that we could pick, that tiny line that you probably didn't even hear the first time. Um, That does bring up, like, this movie is super rewatchable, too. Like, this is a perfect rewatch movie because every time you just get get those little things. It's, uh, like, community humor. Yeah, community humor. Um, You should say, for the audience, this was uh, directed by the Russo brothers, who also did Community. And I'm going to steal from uh, Useless Trivia real quick. The reason that Kevin Feige picked the Russo brothers was because there was the uh, the, the back-to-back paintball episodes in, I believe, season three? Season two? Season three? Really? Yeah, the second paintball episodes. Because it showed action, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, can you do action? He's like, have you uh, seen you've the seen paintball, paintball episodes? <laughs> <laughs> a fistful of paintballs um i'm gonna do some uh, honorable mentions for funniest moments cap getting mad and busting the computer when it's supposed to be like this dramatic scene because it's like oh louder music louder louder and he crushes it and then zola just says as i was saying i thought that was kind of funny it's like um, the computer's not in the monitor <laughs> like classic boomer classic boomer uh if they're shooting at you they're bad that was kind of funny the, the part where they brought Gary Shandling back, I forget his name. Uh, Senator, was it Stern? I don't think it was Stern. Stern? Okay. Yeah. Stern's. Samuel Stern, Senator Stern's. I think that's right. Um, But he's talking about him with his constituents, and it's a 23-year-old hottie, and him just being like a giant perv. That was kind of funny, more than, just because it's Gary Shandling, and he's he's a funny guy. Let's see. <laughs> Still, uh, Sitwell. Stillwell? Stillwell is boys. Sitwell, Jasper Sitwell, when he just suddenly got thrown in front of a uh, semi truck, that was just so <laughs> like out of left field. I thought that was really funny. At the end, when uh, Sam's yelling at Fury, forty first floor, forty first, Fury says, "It's not like they put the 
the floor numbers on the outside of the building. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And then uh, on your left, that was a good scene. Then he says, I'm Steve. And he's like, yeah, I, I figured, man. That was a good opening scene. That was a really good opening scene because it was more about, because this movie is more about the characters. So, you know, when it's a very plot driven movie, they're, they're going to start with the bad guys and start off with the conflict. Whereas this it starts off with the two characters meeting because that's what this is about. Speaking of opening scenes, um, I s- sat down and I watched it on Disney Plus and I started the movie. And about like three minutes in, I was like, huh, that's weird. I don't remember there being like a long um, flashback to the first Captain America movie. You're joking. And- and then I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm watching Captain America First Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I'm gonna actually gonna, I'm gonna take the opportunity off of that and use that to go into missed opportunities. Uh, I talked about this with Ricky in Captain America First Adventure. This is a really good movie and it's a very good length, but I think it could have stood to be 10 to 15 minutes longer if they added like constant flashbacks. I think that this should have been a, a, a two-story movie like constant flashbacks between him and Bucky. There is the one towards towards the end where after uh, his, I think it was his mom's funeral, one of his parents' funeral when he's staying with Bucky. Um, but I think they should, like literally after every single scene in the present day, come back to a scene, a flashback scene. There's a few movies that do that, obviously. That's not a new concept. It hasn't really been done in the MCU, but that would have been a really, really cool uh, part of this because this is a really character-driven movie and Bucky is meant to be the basically the second guy in the movie and you don't really see too much of the old Bucky and he never really got his chance in the, in the first Avenger. You see them as friends, but you don't really see the friendship develop and then he's lost and then they save him and that's it. So that just was never developed. And this would have been a really good chance to have a lot of flashbacks with that. We're doing missed opportunities now, or are we going back to uh... missed opportunities? Unless, All right. What do you want to have? Did, did I steal away? No. Talk- well, let's let's do missed opportunities, uh, but I do want to come back to something you said. So uh, I think that uh, Captain America and Black Widow romance was a missed opportunity. Uh, a Captain America and Sharon romance was a missed opportunity. And a Captain America and Bucky romance was a missed <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> well, they had the, the Sharon romance in Civil War, and then it became weird because you find out that he's that she's yeah. his niece and he goes back and i strongly think that that's the wrong opinion on that and no. Steve, i thought that was forced but the bucky and <laughs> yeah bucky and I, Steve, I, that I, should have been it, it, it's it's talked about on tumblr posts but nobody's had the guts to put it in a movie yet <laughs> hey you, you gotta remember the time that he was born he probably would have like murdered somebody if they tried to kiss him being serious now, the the thing with Captain America and Black Widow was forced, and it was weird that like I wasn't sure whether they were trying to create sexual tension or trying to be friends. It was just kind of like kind of strange. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal from picking nits. I'm not we're not gonna hop to picking nits, but I'm just gonna steal a, a thought from there. I thought that we didn't really need it. I thought it was really forced. But as I start, like I wrote that early because that was just my, I knew that I was going to write that already. But as I, as I, we went through, I was like, I'm not really sure that it was unnecessary. The romance wasn't necessarily necessary. And there's a lot of weird sexual tension that I don't think we needed. 
but it was her casually flirting because she's a liar and a spy and that's what she does she casually flirts with people sometimes to get her way that's just a personality trait and then eventually he's like yeah you're my friend we cool yeah and he's like i trust you now we're <clears throat> friends let's get it and that's after the uh the explosion the the, the zola yeah no that's is that no, before, it was before. That's after it was it's before it was somewhere the around the zola bombing yeah i think that um it was something that just didn't really land like i think the intention was that you want to kind of show her development by being like this is what she did like i can be whatever you want me to be like she's just kind of always playing a game and i think that they wanted to kind of drive that into you know captain america's this earnest person and um to kind of have her grow from that by the end where she kind of you know does her thing but it just really didn't didn't land very well yeah and we're going to talk more about their relationship in uh what age is the best and i've got i've got a second missed opportunity too i think this one i don't know they're both pretty big i'm not even gonna try to rank the two of these they're both huge missed opportunities this one's a, a longer term longer term one the fall of shield happened way 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 too soon like it was such an important part of the comics and they just tossed it away after a couple like literally two years after finally seeing shield as a full force rather than just a couple agents and not knowing what it is like it, i i don't know i wish we had I, i'm gonna say that in uh civil war too or maybe i don't know i'm gonna say it throughout the rest of the mcu like we didn't see enough of the avengers being teamed up i wish we had a couple movies like that and then we didn't see enough of shield being big and i think that they had no idea how big the mcu was gonna get and that they could they could have several movies with the fully developed shield and the fully developed Avengers. Um, and it would still be interesting. I don't think that they thought they'd have 30 movies in 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's skip to um should this been a limited series? Well, it's not because it's the next you can pick a next. Let's jump to the <laughs> could this have been a limited series? Yeah. Because I think that if this movie was made in just like five years later, it would have been a series. It would have been a Disney plus or something. And I think that it would have been really good. Like, I think this movie was good. I think that as a series, it would have been great. I think that you could have developed the characters so much more in slowly unravel shield. Um, I think that you could have, um explored the bucky steve relationship and it could have been kind of like with obi-wan where you had like multiple kind of confrontations um that take place over a long longer time and have a slower burn so i think this would have been a great series so it's kind of a bummer that it took place just a few years too early i said a similar thing i think all of phase two like i'm realizing that pretty much all of phase two could have been limited series Iron Man 3, I think, was like quintessential would have been limited series now if it if, if Disney Plus were around. And the Dark World just sucked too much. But this really could have been just because it is so character-driven, and that's what the limited series have been for so far, is developing those characters and furthering the relationships. It's far <laughs> more about Captain America adjusting, you know, a couple of years after being unfrozen, not necessarily to the new tech, but to how people are and how how spying and soldiering works. Uh, it's about Falcon getting back into it and joining the Avengers and delving into Fury. 
delving into like who he is and his past more than just the action. But I think the the fall of Shield was way too important to have been put into a limited series. So I think then it, I would I would say no, no, it shouldn't have been a limited series, just because of that last piece. Wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so the She Hulk Award for answers to questions that don't need to be asked. AKA half baked theories. So at the end, Steve lets his his shield just go, like fall off the the you know, I don't know if that's the helicarry, whatever it is, into the water. And then he falls in, Bucky saves him. Bucky didn't grab the shield though, and why would he? And the shield probably washed away in the river. How did he end up getting the shield back? I think that's an unseen bro moment between Steve and Tony, uh, pre Age of Ultron. He's like, hey buddy. My friend, we're we're friends now. Um, can you help me get some giant metal detector? I think that sounds good. Maybe Tony's always had this like remote like shut off for Cap's shield, so he just like presses a button and then like rocket boosters shoot up and it mm. flies to him. Like Mjolnir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> robotic M- Mjolnir. I like that. My answer to questions that don't need to be asked. Uh, so Black Widow asked Steve if uh, that was the first time that he's been kissed. And um, She-Hulk actually answered the question of, is Captain America a virgin? So long story short, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the question that everybody's been asking since first avenger was this cap of virgin yeah and it took this long for us to find out that indeed he yeah. is not that's where the name of this uh question comes from the the shield telling us about steve's sexual past we did not need to know that question but we got the answer uh first avenger award for best one-off character uh, so I put Agent Pierce. I think uh, Robert Redford did a very good job in this movie. I wish that he had been in this role longer because um, he played it very well. He's a very good counter to um, Fury, I think. You know, the way that he behaved was very kind of mirrors Fury um, in, in an interesting way. So. Another reason I wish this was like a series, I think it would have been fun to see kind of more of that dynamic. Yeah, I thought he was a perfect choice for this. But unfortunately, Robert Redford, who doesn't usually do sequels, ended up reprising the role in Avengers Endgame. So he's officially not counting for the first Avenger award when they went back to 2012. Do you remember this now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, but I I wrote about him too because he needs he needs mention here. Uh, the first scene of him talking to the World Security Council that was just fantastic. He completely commanded the entire room of people who rank above him, despite being on the opposite side of everybody. Um, just and it was very furiesque, like really mirroring what he did in in 2012's Avengers. I don't think I don't remember if I saw the twist coming. Like looking back, it looks pretty obvious. But I I think I thought he was going to be a good guy and. It was, a shock when he ended up it, it was like a slow burn reveal too which was really really important mm-hmm. um but he was technically an end game so he doesn't count did they refilm yeah did it was a it was a completely that? different he wasn't this was it was yeah, in 2012 yeah yeah it was after they had captured loki 
and uh, Thor Thor and Iron Man refuse to give up the scepter and the That's Tesseract. Right. Yeah. I got to rewatch Endgame. Yeah. We're only like 38 movies away. Um, let's see. Batch Rock was really cool. And he was like a, he was a cool little mini bad guy for that first scene. He was an ex-MMA. His name is George St. Pierre. Uh, but he appeared in Falcon Winter Soldier, so he he too doesn't count. Uh, the Asian bad guy from Dark Knight. Do you remember him? Yes. Yeah, he was on the he, World Security Council. He plays a lot of rich bad yeah. Asian guys. He looks guys. like money. Uh, he always plays Asian guys, no matter what role he's in. He's always Asian. Um, but I am definitely giving it to my boy Abed, Danny Pudi. <laughs> yes, he was a part of Community. We already mentioned that was directed by the Russo brothers as well. He's a Shield agent, the one that opens the door for uh, for Steve for Captain America when he's breaking in. And he just throws his hands up and walks away. Fighting Hydra in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, let's go to the Infinity Saga Award for the most frustrating MacGuffin. This is the rare Phase 2 movie that doesn't include uh, an Infinity Stone as MacGuffin. But the freaking flash drive. There's always a flash drive in spy thrillers. I'm so freaking sick of flash drives and directors trying to find cool ways, to cool places to hide them. Like in The Incredible Hulk, it's like, oh, I gotta swallow it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I hated that. And then this one, hey, you know what be cool? You know what be smart? had it in a vending machine that's yeah. new i've never been a fan of that yeah it shows how uh steve rogers is really still adjusting to this new world because he takes his flash drive and he puts it in a vending machine and not even like in the way back or behind like the really unhealthy granola bar or the really healthy granola bars which is like most popular oh, chips it's very visible yeah. um yeah I, I thought the same thing, too. It, it, I don't know if it was intentional, but there are a lot of, like, tropes of this genre that they wrote for in this movie. Yeah, um, and I'm fine so. with tropes. I liked uh, uh, Multiverse of Madness because they really played into the horror tropes, and this one really mm-hmm. plays into the Jason Bourne-esque spy thrillers, and I loved pretty much every, every cliche and trope they used, except for the flash drive. Uh, and then at the end, the little, um, I don't even know what you call them. What do you call Like computer chips that they plugged into the um, the big ships. There's always one little computer chip that can that can foil bad guys' plans. That one is a little less frustrating, but still, like, okay. Another mm-hmm. computer chip taking on another spaceship-esque thing. Let's do the Age of Ultron award for this was way cooler after seeing the next five movies. Let's do it. So I actually have uh two of these. Um and I, I couldn't really I couldn't really narrow them down. So I'm gonna say them both. Um I think that like the whole thing of like Steve like not really getting with the ladies and um kind of mm. like you're trying to set him up, but he's just not really interested, even though why wouldn't you be? <laughs> um I don't know whatever I was going there. Anyway, um I think it really pays tribute to his relationship with uh, Agent Carter. And then when when he does go back, um, I think that it's more powerful in a way, um, just because like you see, like he never really got over, her, even though 
he has no way of going back and he knows that he even hangs out with her as an old lady and still wants to you know get with her so it's like as an old lady you don't know what happened there she probably forgot um i have a new question that doesn't need to be asked (laughs) yeah um but i think that like just like it it's just really nice throughout the mcu steve kind of um gets a little hardened and like you kind of see him not be quite so naive and boy scouty see Um, i think that's an interesting point because he does get hardened in that sense but he also gets way softer and more more human and jokey and he's you know swearing in the last one some people didn't like they thought it was out of character but i thought that was a really important character development thing that oh you know the world's ended i've been here forever now like okay it's basically like the the evolution of Kirk Cousins, really. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, like, and then you see him go back, and like, he just never, never let go of her, and that's that's cool. Yeah. That's um. Cool. The other thing is, I never realized until rewatching this that this is where Steve finds out about Tony's parents getting murdered, because you see on the screens when when um he's kind of when hydra is getting revealed you see tony stark's parents and you see see that but you don't necessarily know that bucky was the one to do it he said he didn't know that it was bucky he said he didn't know that was the whole reason captain america or iron man tried to kill him no he said that he knew that they were murdered he didn't know that it was bucky no yeah okay so you got this all wrong so we're gonna we're gonna come back iron man says did you know Captain America says, I didn't know it was him. Iron Man says, don't BS me, Rogers. And then he says, yeah. You have to rewatch he, Civil War. You have to rewatch know. Civil War. He never he, knew for sure, no. but he kind I of read between the lines. I think Bucky told Cap that that happened. And um, here he knows that, it hap- that he died because of Hydra. I think in between the movies, or actually probably amidst it emits in in the midst during civil war he knows he, he finds out I, that it was him i disagree i think that he connected the dots and he knew just because he was like oh hydra oh murdered but i, I don't think that Wrong he opinion. like hard disagree anyway <laughs> so i guess we're going back to just that first one <laughs> okay uh, there were a couple Easter eggs uh, when Sitwell was talking about the people targeted in Project Insight, a couple throwaway ones. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I'm not sure if the valedictorian in Iowa meant anything or if that was just a throwaway thing, but I'm hoping that meant something cool. And I was looking into it, but I couldn't find anything. I'll keep you updated on my research. But they do mention Stephen Strange, which meant nothing in 2014, but two years later, he became Doctor Strange. I guess he already was Doctor Strange, but you know what I mean um <laughs> that was funny you didn't laugh at all at that but i thought it was really funny uh seeing I, I i like movies like this early on where we see heroes absolutely lay waste without seeming to care what really happens like the you know the, the planes crashing down into the potomac and just probably killing a few people along the way that obviously becomes the main focus of civil war so seeing that happen now, every time that's on in the back of my mind, like, oh, there's people dying and superheroes aren't being held accountable for that. And then also with that comes damage control and homecoming. Anytime there's like huge waste laid, 
now we know that eventually damage control is the one that takes care of that because i kind of thought about that like robert redford just dies he's just laying there dead now forever like who's gonna who's cleaning this up now shield's gone but it's damage control uh on your left that was a really good callback obviously really important in endgame um this one's I don't know if you caught this one, but the song playing when Fury breaks into Steve's apartment, that's the same song that plays when he and Peggy dance at the end of Endgame. I you know did. There you go. Yeah, I remember that one. Yes. Uh, I my understood fa- that reference. <laughs> my favorite, though, this this is uh, from the post credit scene when we see Scarlet Witch. Like, because at this point, we thought they'd be introduced as villains, and, and they kind of were for about 30 minutes, but then eight years later, we finally see her as this, like, terrifying villain. Like, one of the probably the scariest villain of the mcu and multiverse of madness and just her vibe in this movie for the quick clip we see of her it's terrifying just her creepy eyes and the makeup they do and it doesn't really come full circle until till 2022 so valedictorian in iowa city was amadeus cho that's what people are saying i don't know what that means it's the korean hulk no okay (laughs) Also, it could be Nomad, who was oh. a Captain America side character. It'd probably be Nomad then, right? Because Captain America related. And yeah. also, I have no idea who Amadeus Cho is. But that he's was like, a good pick. He's like but, the yeah. New Avengers, I think. Hmm. Uh, let's do poorly aged CGI. Uh, the Russo Bros really tried hard to do this practically, and it, it shows. It looks it's really it looks good. It's really well shot, and not a lot of um, bad CGI. It's not a lot of CGI to start off start off with. But old Peggy Carter looks so bad. She looks like an old Halloween mask that got like she looks like a, a actually a jack o' lantern that got left out. She looks like a jack o' lantern on, on November thirtieth. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she doesn't look like a human. I mean, have you seen a dying person before? <laughs> Too many times. Um, That's true. Uh, this was kind of early in the in the de-aging process, though, and Marvel really, really mastered it and, and kind of changed the game for, for everybody, changed that tech by uh, 2016 and then definitely by 2019 with Captain Marvel and uh, Endgame. But here, it's just not, it's just not ready. Which uh, is actually interesting, though, because I think that Steve looks much improved in the flashbacks than he did in the first Avenger. See, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, another poorly aged CGI. Uh, after so in the scene after Captain America jumps out of the elevator, you know, super cool scene. He fights everybody, jumps out. He's like, "You got to be kidding me!" Um, the little ship that approaches it looks so bad, like it stood out like a sore thumb. It looked like Job of the Hut in the re-released A New Hope. You know what I'm talking about where it's like that looks mm-hmm. different than everything else. Yeah, I so what I put for this is number one, how do we even know what's CGI at this point and what's not? Um, but I do know that they tried to use as little CGI as possible, which I appreciate. I also put the ships, which is kind of funny. Most of the times where there's like something flying in the air, just looks a little off. And where I saw it the most was a little bit after where you mentioned was when he's like um, throwing a shield into the wings and crashing the plane and like jumping all around. That that whole scene looked bad. <laughs> Number one, he's unrealistically getting thrown around. Like I know that he's Captain America, but still, he's yeah. getting shot 
into space and landing and he's like i'm okay um but it's a superhero movie so what do you expect bj um captain marvel award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world so i know who i put and i actually there's a a very good explanation for it um but not in universe um so uh tony stark is who i have here and um number one because iron man 3 confuses me and all of the confusion is really just they couldn't afford to pay robert downey jr anymore so (laughs) he was like "Ah, i'm gonna be done and then they're like uh you know what we're gonna pay you so it kind of leads to this confusing part where he is basically retired and he doesn't save the world where it's really would be valuable to have somebody with his experience um technically but then he comes back in age of ultron and i was never really sure why he came back so well they kind of Um, touch on that in civil war after he's explaining why he and pepper broke up uh he's like i quit and then we had a deal with hydra and then and then and then Actually, it's basically a Tom Brady situation. It was basically a Tom Brady situation. Yeah. 100% true. Um, so there's I still th- hope, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he, like, I'm done with Tony Stark. I'm going to go out and do other roles. And they're like, hey, we'll give you $2 million. He's like, I'm going back to Disney. <laughs> I'm Tony Stark. Break out the good team. Hey, Sherlock uh, Holmes is coming out, too. No, nah, here you go. I put, um. so I, I wrote that it's funny that Fury can get Tony Stark to go to uh, Robert Redfield's robert redford's nephew's birthday party but he can't get him to help save the world <laughs> just give him a call bud uh but i kind of get it nobody knows who to trust he didn't even know if he could trust captain america so it kind of makes sense in the universe mm-hmm. so it's passable and the screenwriters even talked about it saying that it only happened in a span of three days so there wasn't really a chance to get them to uh, c- like connect to get them in contact so i, I think this one's passable um the biggest one for me though is hawkeye because he's actually a member of shield and he could have fit in without adding much extra time, even just like maybe a glimpse in the final in that final fight scene. Uh, there was actually a deleted scene apparently explaining his whereabouts, uh, but it was cut. And he was fe- like heavily featured in the original script, uh, and he actually fought Cap because Hydra told him to as Shield. Um, but he he like faked the fighting and told Cap that he was being recorded and he had to do this. But there's a tracking device on your suit, so watch out for that. Do with what you will. Um, but that also never made it past the uh, the screenplay. But just even that like short deleted scene of explaining where he was. Why why did they have to cut that? A thirty second conversation couldn't have been thrown in. I think I think mm-hmm. that's a that was probably a missed opportunity. You stole my lion there i was going to talk about hawkeye but that's a crap i gave you first dibs and then you didn't we need to stop reading the same imdb trivia (laughs) anyway (laughs) oh yeah it's another great reason that it would have been a great longer movie or limited series or two-parter uh just to get more pieces in there um however we also don't at this point we don't really know characters like hawkeye as well and so i understand that i also understand why like in in universe tony stark there's not even that relationship yet well it clearly is because at least i mean a year later they're probably like months after this they're tackling tackling hydra right 
Yeah. So that call eventually but, did happen. Just but after... is that something that Fury would have trusted Stark with at that point? Probably. I don't yeah. know. That's a good question. Uh, this one's been off too long. I'm going to go with the I Am Iron Man Award for the best single line. Peggy says, all we can do is our best, and sometimes the best we can do is start over. Actually, what she says, the best we can do is start <laughs> that, was my, uh, that was my impersonation. But that was just one line that totally encapsulated this entire movie. Like, the best for S.H.I.E.L.D. is starting over. Uh, and eventually his decision in Endgame, he starts his life over. So that was that was a great line. So I've got Fury. Fury always gets the best lines. Um, he said at the very beginning, S.H.I.E.L.D. takes the world as it is, not as we want it to be. And I think that captures his viewpoint of the world. And um, it would have been interesting if if um, Steve later said something like this, like years down the road, uh, because that's kind of what Steve evolves into, really. Uh, the that that's other yeah. Line... Some there's there's a place for that in Endgame. That would been that would been cool. Endgame yeah. was great. They had so much fan service, but there was just like a couple lines that they could have thrown in for even more fan service. We talked about this in Avengers. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat that to death, but yeah, it was also really long. So it could have been that's what good. adding a line is gonna make it more. <laughs> it's already three hours. You should do an Avengers Endgame extended cut. Yeah. It's like five hour long movie. Exactly. Maybe honorary mention. Um, when Black Widow comes in and saves the day, she's like, I'm sorry. Did I step on your moment? Yeah, like that was. That yeah, that was a good one. OK, we've got um, yeah, best Hawkeye, fight scene. Ragnar- OK. Best so my favorite scene. fight scene is the elevator scene. Um, it's It's actually a little bit cheesy. Uh, but I just think it's fun. You see the like drip of sweat coming down and the guy with the hand on his gun. Uh, I just thought it was enjoyable. And then he just beats up a bunch of people. Um, I think that if they had like Daredevil's uh, fight choreographer, it would have been really fun. I, I think it could have been a little more like brutal Yeah. <laughs> with all those guys. Uh, but uh, I I enjoyed that. There, there were a lot of good fight scenes in this movie. Yeah, that's what I wrote. I'm not going to go through every single fight scene I loved because there were so many in this one. Um, I one thing I want to mention though the the it was kind of a mini fight between Falcon and and um, Rumlow. It ended with Falcon not actually winning the fight because the building was coming down on top of uh, on top of Rumlow. Um, and I think a similar thing happened in Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's how we beat Malrock, Baltrock. Mm. Um, yeah. but I like that. Like World sometimes, of- what's that? Moral of the story, if you're fighting someone, always making make sure that you're the one that can see the window. That's what I was going to say. Sometimes good guys just win because they have their heads up and know when to dip out. Um, but I think my, I don't th- just the entire scene from Fury and the Cops all the way up to the hospital scene, that whole extended, I guess that's not even a fight scene, so that's kind of cheating. But the whole thing, scene, that whole scene is a trip. Like uh, the, the best part, after Fury gets shot, uh, Sharon's on the on the horn with the other agents and he says tell them i'm in pursuit and then it just cuts to that kind of music you know I, that always gets me hype that was cool but my i think my favorite just mono mono fight was black widow and winter soldier um i always love when it was a very short fight scene uh but i love well executed fight scene choreography 
And then right after that was a really good uh, uh, Captain America and um, and uh, Winter Soldier fight where they're doing basically the same moves. Just one move in particular that I really liked when he comes at Steve with the knife and he blocks it with the shield and then he drops the knife, catches it with the other hand. I've always wanted to try that, but fortunately I've never been in a fight. So, uh, But I think the cheesiest definitely was Steve taking down that spaceship looking thing that we talked about earlier, the bad CGI. Yeah. That looks so like I don't I don't understand. Like he punches it a couple times and it goes down and throws a shield and an engine and then he can just pull it down. That thing was the size of a building. That made no sense to me. Yeah. I thought that was very cheesy. This is a movie where they had very strange like strength feats by Captain America. Yeah, like, like he can take down uh basically a helicopter. We'll call it a helicopter. Uh, I don't even what what do you call that thing? I don't I keep trying to sit, figure out what to call it because it's not a plane, it's like a little hovercraft. He takes on a quinjet. Is that a quinjet? No, I don't know. He takes down the the vehicle, the air vehicle. Uh, but then when he's fighting uh Baltrock, he is it Baltrock? I keep saying that wrong. Yeah, no. we takes down the uh, the Balsack. We, we takes on Balsack. No, <laughs> uh, when he takes on Baltrock, it takes him like 18 punches connected to actually get it like his his strength varies so so much really over the course of the franchise but even just in this movie do you have a cheesiest or are you are you going with the the no i agree with that for the cheesiest um it was hard to pick one but that was that was a quick little yeah it was just something that i guess you had to have something like that because you have to have a reason of how he escaped all those people but it it just was a little a little unbelievable, a little cheesy. Yeah, and I, I mean, he still wanted him to get away too, so that doesn't really explain it. It should have had him like hijacking a a, a plane or something, and that's how they do it. I don't know. And honestly, it just doesn't fit very well. I I have a feeling that this was like pushed in there. This was studio uh, pressure. Yeah, I think so because. Like we talked about how they didn't really want to use much CGI, and this was really the only like big CGI moment. So I think that they wanted to make this really cool and like this be like the big uh explosion or whatever, but it just didn't land. But they I don't know, they they do it so much better with uh Winter Soldier taking down the good guy planes at the end. So they still have those cool explosions, but in a way less cheesy mm-hmm. way. Uh, we're gonna go with the. Let's pick some nits. This is a very good movie. Let's pick some nits. Uh, there are a lot of cliches in this movie that I don't like. I'm just gonna go through all of them. Fake deaths. They get old. I don't think any of us actually thought Fury died this early in the franchise. Uh, the three, two, one, and then exactly at that moment, Steve puts in the the computer chip to you know save the day. Mm-hmm. Hate that. Oh, oh, I hate this one. You, we're in an impossible situation. Robert Redford has everybody, you know, taken down. And it's just him and a bunch of old World Security Council members. And then it turns out our hero is wearing a mask that looks exactly like one of the World Security. <laughs> I, I hate that. That was in a, one of the Mission Impossible too. I mm-hmm. like that. It, at, at least they have to like introduce that technology earlier in the movie. So that it's not just like otherwise it's just lazy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't figure out a better way, so I didn't like that. Um, I think number one though that I hated cliche of this, 
when uh he's fighting ball truck ball rock ball ball lock ball lock ball truck uh and he says i thought you were more than shield and then he drops the weapon like dude you're in a rush just hit him just be done be done yeah cry but the scene in captain marvel you remember that obviously you remember that uh he's like come on feed me man to man don't prove anything to you like why do you have to prove yourself to this terrorist come on steve get Mm -hmm. over it those were all very good nits, Jacob. They were mostly any... cliche-based nits. I don't yeah. have any plot-based nits, really. Yeah, I don't have any of these, any of those, which is kind of nice. Oh, um, there you go. One one nit is, I wish there was more story into the fallout of what happened after this. I felt like the infinity saga you know happens so quickly that that kind of overshadowed this really big thing that happened mm, like one more um, movie between this and age of ultron yeah yeah but maybe if i would have watched agents of shield maybe there would have been more about that but i guess yeah i guess that was the purpose of that was to do that that also is odd though that they did agents of shield and then a year later shield is gone yeah but the show sucks so i don't care um <laughs> any more nits? Uh, yeah, I got a few more. Um, why does Sam run so slow? He's like, it's not. I I get that, like you know, Captain America is passing him, and Captain America is really fast. But like, if you just watch him, like he was, he was in the Air Force. He was in like some sort of special forces, and he's just like, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, uh, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm, I actually have a really good answer for this. You know, Chris Evans, mm-hmm. he actually doesn't have the super soldier serum. So when he's acting like he's super fast, everybody else is yeah. so slow. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that about he, Chris Evans. He's actually just a regular person. Yeah, except for he. Number one, they have this you know like thing that they can do where they can make him look faster. Yeah, that was kind of an unnecessary <laughs> burn on you because they definitely do that several other times. Where they're like running on treadmills, you know. Yeah, but he he runs tw- actually three times in this movie. And he's always going slow. I, he's I always didn't going that. slow. <laughs> That's funny. And I don't know. It's just it's just funny. Like they made him like seem like he's out of shape, even though he's the next Captain America, right? In the future, um, and he doesn't have any super soldier serum. Uh, so the cliche that I had is like way too many movies and spy shows use tetrodotoxin as a plot device for faking your death. Uh, yeah. It's always that one, and I'm like, is it really that common? This fish poison that that yeah, it's not even it? it doesn't even work that way too. Why don't they just make a fake one? I thought about that with Logan, like just make up a fake one. He made up so many fake things. Make up a fake, fake drug that actually slows your heart rate that low. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like in Avatar, um, the thing that they're trying to get is called unobtainium or something like that. It's like why not just do something like that? Just like make up this name that we should talk about that though why do they call it unobtainium that's just so (laughs) on the nose like we can't obtain it yeah (laughs) it's like the writers were sitting there like what there is this element that they can't obtain it's unobtainable (laughs) what should we call it unobtainium oh we got it that's i yeah that that actually it's uh that happens in many science fiction books um there's this chemical called unobtainium so really? it's a common thing yeah oh. it's kind of weird okay 
why did they name why did Bucky's parents name him after our worst president? I mean our second worst president. So okay. I had this discussion with uh, Mr. Mathis in 12th grade. Was he the worst president or did he just do nothing? There are bad presidents like Andrew Jackson, you know, who slaughtered people. And there's presidents like James Buchanan who are just like, okay, what'd you do? That's true. Yeah. So I think I would rather be named after a famous bad president, though, than a president who just is, you know, whatever. You know, Donald Trump Clark <laughs> come in 2023 uh, right. in the movie. In the movie, Sam calls himself a soldier. He says, I'm a soldier, but he's in the Air Force. People in the Air Force don't call themselves soldiers. They're airmen. So, yeah, maybe he, wow. I don't know, identifies more with the maybe that that's like, it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess because if you are actually in the army, you wouldn't say that even in a. I guess just like this is why I identify as and identify as a soldier, a warrior, you know, that's who I am. Cause you would be yeah, more technical say I'm an airman. Say, yeah. But I mean you'd probably say warrior over soldier. Maybe he decided he's going to re enlist into the army instead of the Air Force, though. I don't really know how it works with superheroes. Yeah, I don't know where superheroes go. Let's see what age is. What age is the best? What age is the worst? I mean, there's low stakes, great hand-to-hand combat. A lot of stuff you don't really see much anymore in the MCU. Just this movie is kind of a relic of a different age. Um, it, it ages so so well. Like it, it's it's like a it's very much like a 2000s spy thriller mixed in with the MCU. So it's a really cool watch just because it is so different. So I think that ages well. I can't really think of anything that ages ages poorly, other than the missed opportunity of losing Shield so early. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anything really ages poorly. Yeah, so for what age is the best? Uh, Chris Evans. He looks better every year. He's a good-looking dude. Yeah, uh, he's made alive, 2020. For what age is the worst? Uh, Peggy Carter. Literally. She did not age well in this movie. No. No. Another thing really ages bad. really well is, and maybe this goes in the Age of Ultron Award, but Steve and uh, Nat's relationship, because like by Endgame, you know they're just they're buds. You know, she's coming, mm-hmm. he's coming over. She's in PB and J. They're friends. Um, that's one of my favorite things over these several movies is seeing these heroes become buddies. And those two, I think, had the most probably intimate of, of friendships. I'd say, right? The most intimate. Oh, and you are Sex up. Joke. <laughs> yeah, we got Hawkeye, Ragnarok. <laughs> So Ragnarok Award for Character's Cinematic Peak. I'm going to go with Fury. Uh, he's he's going to play pretty well into the next movies, I think. But I think this is where he really shined. Being a spy movie, which makes sense. But Yeah, he is the spy. He was kind of the driving force of the of the movie. And that scene where he's kind of escaping is really cool. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of cool pieces in the movie. The part where he takes off his eyes is like, better keep both eyes open. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, so, yeah, I got Fury. Yeah, I'd probably say he's like the number three character of this movie, right? It's like Cap, Black Widow, him, and then Falcon and, and uh, Redford, uh, Alexander Pierce. I keep calling him by his actor name. Um, I think he, by far, is is the biggest peak in this movie. 
This is the only movie I think where he's really a main character other than Captain Marvel. And I don't think I don't think I can say a character's peak in prequels. Um he had a lot of really good lines in Avengers, but he was more of the overarching overarching boss, like the the force behind everybody rather than um a, a main character, right? Uh, you get more into his like his emotional state and into his past. You don't see that in Avengers, just more into who he is and the depth of Nicholas J. Fury, you know? A couple other arguments for other characters. There's an argument for Black Widow. Um, I think it's actually an endgame. I'll talk about that, obviously, later. Uh, a few other movies might change my mind before I get there, but I think just her development over the years, I think this is the one where you see her the most as the real her. And I think that's really important, but I think she develops as a character from from there. Uh, I think Maria Hill also peaks here. I think she is better in Far From Home, and she has probably a bigger role. But technically, she's a scroll in that movie, so it's not really her. So by default, she peaks here. She's like a genuine asset. She's the person that Fury trusts more than anybody. She's more than just you know, some nameless agent that she was in, in Avengers. And she actually rescued the three main characters. So she's she's really important. And then Falcon and Steve, I think you can make arguments for them action-wise, but they just don't have enough like comedic lines in this movie to say that they peak. So I, I don't I don't give it to them. So I say Fury and Maria Hill. Those all make sense. I think um Sharon Carter was also good in this. I don't know if it's her peak. Yeah. It, it just made me it made me think of how they kind of ruined her character and it makes me sad. Yeah, I didn't like that. The uh Falcon Winter Soldier twist wasn't a fan. I'd say she yeah. probably peaks. She might peak there, actually. But I didn't like the development for her character, but she is a character might peak there. Cool. Hawkeye Award for the most unexpectedly inspiring moment. We probably have the same one. You want to give it? Nope. Go ahead. The price of freedom has always been high, but it's a price I'm willing to pay. And if I'm the only one, and then so be it. But I'm willing to bet I'm not. Just that line, obviously, in itself was really inspiring. And then what followed, um, I guess there was a whole montage during his his spiel there. That was really, really cool. There were pilots that refused to, that, like, fought some of the Hydra agents and died tragically. And then the all the non-soldiers who refused to launch at the photo gunpoint when um, uh, Rumlow's holding the, the gun to the nerdy guy. And he's like, nope, captain's orders. Yeah. And another really like his I he, like you could tell he was scared there too, and that's always a really inspiring thing when somebody's scared and they still do it's something heroic. I think that's that was a really important. It wasn't him being, you know, super brave and and ballsy. It was like I'm gonna poop myself, but <laughs> captain's orders. Yeah, yeah, that was mine. Uh, the nerdy guy, uh, with the gun to his head, and he's like, "Sorry, not gonna do it." Not gonna do it. Captain <laughs> I think it's kind of funny though too. After, like right after that, when the guns start shooting, a bunch of random people die, but they make a point of showing that that guy survives. That's just a funny <laughs> little tidbit. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. he didn't die. I I also like in my mind, I like to think that like he was gonna like cock the gun and then he'd be like, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, we'll never know. I guess. Yeah. Nice. Is that? That's everything. That's everything. We did it. Congrats. Got the useless trivia. We got some useless trivia. Uh, I'll let you go first because you probably have a lot of the same ones. So I'll let you drop what you have and then. Okay. Uh, so Anthony Mackie, uh, who played Sam Wilson, 
who played uh the falcon <laughs> um sent sam wilson plays the falcon emails, some... <laughs> yeah uh he sent a bunch of emails to marvel basically begging to play a comic book character he's like please 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 and finally they they were like yeah okay i guess you can and they're like okay fine we'll we'll put you in the movie in the comics um he plays a social worker uh which is kind of kind of similar to to this uh period and um captain america agree like gets him to kind of become a superhero which is kind of weird but what gets weirder is that eventually he gets brainwashed and these bad guys convince him that he's a gangster from LA. It just seems kind of weird to make like one of your few black people tell him that he's a gangbanger. It's like whatever, but it was the 70s, so. Well, 70s. It was like one of the first African-American characters in the comics, too, which is kind of cool. So I we already talked about this. They they wanted to use as little CGI as possible. Um, Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans actually wrote a lot of their lines of their dialogue together, which makes sense because it was not the best part of the movie. Um, huh? <laughs> it, I mean, honestly, like their their whole dynamic was just kind of strange, and so it makes sense that it wasn't written for them. Um, Joe Russo intended for the movie to be honest trailer proof so the the honest trailer series um that makes fun of movies especially marvel movies um he wanted to make it so that they couldn't make fun of him but they did anyway and he guest starred on it which is kind of cool uh there's a writer on here his name is steven mcfeely he's a writer for a lot of marvel projects and he's got a weird name mcfeely what's up with that that's all i have that's your trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Those Every- were all so good. And then that last one is like, what? <laughs> Every time yeah, I Marcus, see his name, Marcus every time I McFeely. see his name, I'm like, I'm like, Stephen McFeely? Change your name, dude. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, like a, uh, I don't know, uh, an alias. There- it sounds like an alias for Barney Stinson. Yeah. There's actually a character named Mr. McFeely in Mr. Rogers. And people would always say he was a pedophile because oh, no, it's a normal name. Really... I think it's you <laughs> and one other guy. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna... anyway. Marcus and McFeely, a legendary writing duo, uh, they appear as Shield interrogators. Uh, John Sweden, who did Avengers and Age of Ultron, uh, they uh, you see him in a Captain America shoot, suit, Captain America shirt at the Smithsonian, and Joe Russo, one of the two directors. Uh, you see him as a, a doctor or something, agent, whatever, uh, taking care of Fury. Uh, let's see, Sammy Jackson's real-life granddad was actually an elevator operator, just like Fury's. Uh, there have been a lot of different versions of Cap over the years with different levels of financial security. Uh, and some he struggled financially, worked as a comic book illustrator uh, or a teacher. Uh, and some he was giving, he was given 60 years of back pay, so he had a lot of money. Uh, but this movie kind of falls in line with the original story in the 60s, in which he works, again, as a government agent to make money. You see Robert Redford open his fridge, and we see Newman's own pasta sauce, a sauce made by Paul Newman. Uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, obviously longtime co-stars and friends. And then also touching on that, we see All the President's Men as a book on Steve's bookshelf. Redford produced and starred in that movie, of course. The hijacked ship at the beginning of the movie, it's called the Lumerian Star. 
Lemuria is a sunken continent in the comics, uh, home to the Deviants. Ooh, the guy who wrote the Winter Soldier original comic book, he was a scientist when Winter Soldier was being uh, created in the movie, kind of like, you know, worked upon. Um, oh, this, I think a lot of people know this one at this point, but it's still kind of cool, especially if you go look at it after you listen to this. Uh, Steve's catch-up list, it changes in every single country with different uh, pop culture references relative to the country. Uh, Falcon's flight gear has a Stark logo. He made us like here. Hmm. Uh, and then this might be the most obvious one, but Ezekiel 2517, that's on Fury's tombstone. Clear reference to Pulp Fiction. Last, this is the first MCU movie with cars as product placement. Now we see it like every single second of every single movie. That's some good useless trivia. It's very useless. I didn't, I didn't know some of those. That's what I'm here for. Okay, now Winter Soldier, can you skip it in your MCU rewatch? You go first. <clears throat> yes, you can skip it. If you kind of want to construct the story of the MCU and kind of get to the Infinity Saga and Avengers Endgame, this really doesn't make much of a difference. You know, like Fury's off and like, you know, he fakes his death, but then like, you know, he comes back into the story kind of. And um, so up until now, like it's relatively inconsequential for the grand picture of the MCU. Um, it might have more effects later on, but I'm going to say, say it's a great movie and it's really important. But if you're like in a time crunch, you could you could skip this movie. Yeah, you're skip. You're missing a lot of. Um, and once again, this isn't. Is it a skippable movie? It's if when Kang Dynasty is coming out, you're taking your new girlfriend on first date to see it. You got to catch up real quick. Which movies are you skipping? Which do you have to watch? You you're missing a lot of a lot of Steve's character development. You don't know who, you know, Bucky's story. That's important, but that you know, one character story isn't worth always skipping a movie. But you're you're not gonna see the fall of Shield. And it doesn't really make sense going into Age of Ultron without this movie. I think that's why this is more important. It's not necessarily huge for like the Infinity Saga, but it's really important to get to the next movie more so than a lot of other movies that can be skipped. So I think it's like a level two skippable. It, it really should not be skipped. It's not, you know, Iron Man 3 or, or The Dark World or even, you know, the first Avenger is more skippable than this one. But it's it's not quite at Civil War levels, but it should not be skipped. I can agree with that. Cool. Cool. So I guess kind of cool. we're kind of breaking down to like three levels of skippable. There's like you need it for the Infinity Saga to even make sense. You need it to progress through the series. And then, you know, yeah, it's a good movie. We don't necessarily need it. Now, where does it rank? We got four levels. Pantheon, awesome, dig it, and skippable. What do you got? I put awesome. Uh, I think Whoa. this is blasphemy <laughs> i think this is a great movie i think it's one of my favorite just movies like if if they didn't have the mcu and there wasn't this large larger story going on like this would be up there with the top movies uh it doesn't have like that epic quality that the movies that i put in the pantheon usually do um but it's just it's just a great movie. It's well made. 
and um it's it's one of the movies that like you could take your your date on that doesn't care about marvel hmm. well to me the true meaning of pantheon that means you could make a justifiable argument that it is if not the best it's one of the top three that's kind of the level if you're on pantheon you, if somebody argued that this was one of their top three mcu movies it would make sense right like i'm keeping captain america the first avenger out of the pantheon because anybody who says that's one of the top three movies like i i can't even like justify that as an argument i think you can make that with this it's got perfect stakes that are fully developed it's not too high but it's not too low to where it's not exciting the bucky reveal was perfectly executed it's well written it's a good change of pace after the cosmically large films that precede it it's a genuine spy thriller more than a superhero movie and it's one of a handful of MCU films that's great outside the franchise. I'd say that there's this in Iron Man, where if you just watch those without knowing anything about the MCU, it's still like a really, really good movie. So I've got I've got a third so far as of 2014, number three. So my Pantheon, number one is Avengers, two is Iron Man, three is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. The awesome category, I've just got Captain America, the first... Avenger, anything better is in the Pantheon. Uh, Dig it, I got Iron Man 3, anything better is awesome. And Thor, and Skippable, Iron Man 2, The Dark World, and The Incredible Hulk. Thank you guys for listening once again. Uh, you'll notice if you're paying attention that I messed up the dates of release on accident and recorded and released this one after... Guardians of the Galaxy when it should be before, so just listen in the correct order. You're all good. We'll be back next time once again with BJC for Avengers Age of Ultron. Check me out. My writing at startfacts. That's S-T-A-R-T-E facts.com. Peace out.